Welcome again. It is so great to be together. Annabelle and Annie, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. And it is such a joy, as this has already been said this morning, it is such a joy to gather together. As we gather, as we you know, think about what we've already sang, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, all creatures of our God and King. And as we prepare to hear from God's word You can think back over the week, you can think back over even maybe your morning or whatever it is, and we can just kind of exhale and say, God, we want to meet with you this morning. God is so gracious and good that he will meet with us, that God draws near to us. God draws near to those who are brokenhearted. God draws near to those who humble themselves. And so this morning we humble ourselves, and I encourage you to say, okay, God, I need you. And let's come together that way this morning. And so, um, if you're here in the room, good morning. If you are new to Renaissance, again, welcome. We are so grateful to have you as a guest this morning. If you're online, as Dylan said earlier, interact, comment, let us know you're there, ask questions, all of those things. So, we're going to jump right in this morning. If you guys are just track with me, we're ready to go. We're starting a new series today called Visible Community. And the point of this, where we're heading is, here's the big picture of where we're going over the next few weeks. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and church membership are the structures that make the church a visible gospel community. Now, right away, this may lead to a lot of questions for you. You may be like, okay, this seems really boring, first of all. You may think that, right? You may have a lot of questions, a lot of assumptions. Maybe you've had good experiences with these things, maybe bad. Maybe they seem like foreign concepts to you. But I encourage you as we go through this the next few weeks to set all that aside as we take a fresh look together at what these things mean and why they're important and why I would say they matter in our day-to-day lives. Even though it seems like, why would that matter for my day-to-day life? But I believe that they do. And so as we go over the next few weeks, we hope that this series will give us a biblical understanding of baptism, of the Lord's Supper, and of church membership and make them normal and natural for our church while also making them more meaningful. Because my encouragement to you would be, whether you're part of Renaissance or somewhere else or part of some other church, I would still say the same thing. These elements are so important and vital to understanding the church that the New Testament shows us. I hope this series will bring a purifying and a refining to our church, helping draw clear lines around what it means to be a church. And finally, I hope that it gives us as a church, Renaissance, you, me, it gives us a passion to live on mission as a people who are set apart as light in darkness. I want us to see how clear lines around the church form us into a visible gospel on mission community. That's where we're heading the next few weeks. I really do encourage questions. Write them down. Ask me after, whatever it is. If you've got questions, we want to talk through those together. If you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 28. It's in the New Testament. Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament. And uh, the gospels give us this picture. They, they, the gospels share the story of the birth and life and teachings and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so this is the very end of the book of Matthew. Jesus here is speaking to his followers And this is not too long after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. So this is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. These are his parting words. It's a fairly well-known passage. You may, if you're familiar with it, you've been around church much, it's called the Great Commission. It's kind of what we call this passage. 
And these verses have a lot to say about the mission of God in the world, but I also think they have a lot to say about how the church is formed and how it functions. Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 16 through 20. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me pray for us again this morning as we just ask God to speak to our hearts. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your mercy. We invite you into this time, God. I pray for each person in this room, myself included, God. Let us have hearts that are humble and teachable. Lord, would you speak to us through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper, there are two traps or two ditches that we can fall into. On one hand, we can become rigid and religious, and we can view these practices as just like a box to check. We can view them as like these religious activities that are important to do or make sure that we do. And when we do that, these things can become cold and dead and meaningless, really, when they're just these boxes to check. But on the other hand, the other trap is that we can become loose and lazy with these practices, viewing them as some old-fashioned religious thing that doesn't really matter anymore. And when we do that, they become, we view them as being meaningless as well. But baptism and the Lord's Supper are incredibly meaningful and full of life. And both of these things are pictures of the work of salvation that Jesus does in our hearts. So I want us to walk away today with practical, clear next steps Maybe you're in this room this morning and maybe you need to to publicly, you need to put your faith in Jesus and you need to take a step to say, I need to get baptized and make this public. Or maybe today you need to leave with a renewed understanding of what your baptism means and what it meant when it happened. And a renewed understanding of what the Lord's Supper means each time that we take it and how these things can be daily reminders of the good news of Jesus in our lives. And hear my heart. Hear my heart on this church. As a church, we believe that we are seeking to be biblical. We're not trying to do things our way. We're not trying to be clever. We're not trying to create hoops for people to jump through. We're not trying to create some exclusive club. We are seeking to be biblical because we want our lives and our church to be shaped around God's word, being obedient to him. Now, from the beginning here, you may kind of, maybe you're wondering and you've had questions because, trust me, myself and Graham and Dylan, the other pastors, we've had lots of discussions about this in the, over the past couple of months, really. And so you may ask, okay, this, this series is called Visible Community. You may say, what do these topics have to do with the mission of the church? Like, what is baptism, Lord's Supper, membership, how does that make us on mission? And I think it has everything to do with that because in all we do, we want to exist as a church that brings glory to God. In everything we do, we want to point to Jesus. It's about him. We want to be a visible community. We want to be able for people to look and say, 
That's a church, and they follow Jesus, and they love Jesus. We want to be visible. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he said this. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And I love that imagery. You think about a city on a hill, all the lights on, it is visible. It is evident. That's a picture of the church visible to the world around us. As a church, may we be a visible community like a city on a hill living on mission. And this series focuses on the forming that should happen in the church so that, and that's important, those two words, so that the church can function on mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. The forming that needs to happen, the structures that need to happen so that we can live on mission. Our main idea this morning is this. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are visible expressions of a community of people who have put their faith in Jesus. So as we get into this this morning, talking about these topics, I want us to set a little bit of a foundation first. And so this is kind of one of those, like, this is a side sermon. Like, this is like, you know, just setting up, you know, I'm setting the table here, right? So some things that I want to just address from the beginning so that we're clear. The first thing is this, is that salvation is through faith alone, by grace alone. Here's what I mean. Baptism does not save us. The Lord's Supper, membership, whatever these things, these things do not save you. It is Christ alone. It is the work that Jesus has done on the cross, and when we put our faith in him and turn away from our sin, we are rescued out of our sin, forgiven and made new, and brought into relationship with God. And any practice apart from salvation is meaningless. What do I mean? Like, you could go today and get dipped in water, but if you have not put your faith in Jesus, you literally just got wet. It's meaningless, right? You just went swimming. But any practice apart from salvation is meaningless. So I want us to hear that from the beginning. Obviously, we're teaching about this. We think they're very important, but, but salvation is through faith alone in Jesus. Second thing is this, talking about visible community, we will be known as a church, we will be known by the way that we love each other. Scripture is clear on this, right? So we talk about being a visible community, we are specifically looking at the formal structures that give the church its shape and distinction. How the world knows who represents Jesus. At the same time, John 13, 35 in the book of John tells us that the world will know that we are the followers of Jesus by the way that we love each other. So for the purpose of this series, we're going to assume that as a church, we can love each other. Now maybe that's a big assumption, right? God help us. Like we really need help in that. But we're, we're putting this as a foundation We can't just say, well, if we put these structures in place, then everything's going to be okay. The formal structures matter, but just as much, and and just in the same way, the way that we as a church love each other is what makes us visible as followers of Jesus. We want to be the visible community. And finally, oh, not finally, on that point too, the formal, these structures, and the organic Love, loving each other, loving our neighbor. These things work in harmony. We become a visible community both by the way that we love and by the clear and formal practices of the church. Think about your own physical body, right? You have a skeleton, and it's very important to you, right? So these structures, think of them like this skeleton. It's what gives us our structure and our shape. It's what holds us up. 
right? If you did not have it, you would just be a blob, right? You can picture that later, right? But, but at the same time, like, if you were only a skeleton walking around, that would be a little creepy as well. And we wouldn't really know what to do with that if we were all just skeletons walking around. Both of these things are important. We need the structure and we need the flesh and blood. These structures of the church enable us to be a church that's visible, but we also need the organic, the love, the showing love to each other that shows Jesus to the world. Final kind of side note is this, baptism and the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, you can also maybe, depending on your background, where you're from, you can call it communion, you can call it the Eucharist, you can call it, you know, there's various things. But both of these things are known as sacraments or, or what are called ordinances of the church. And if you just fell asleep for a moment, that's okay, wake back up, right? Sacraments or ordinances are the visible, symbolic, outwards expressions of faith in Jesus that are practiced by the church. They're important. All right, so those are the side notes. Let's come back to this. Matthew chapter 28. What we just read here, in this message, Jesus is sending out his disciples. And this this sending out that he gives here was not just for those 11 disciples. This is the calling of the church, both then and into the future, which includes you and I. We are called to go and make disciples. If you look at verse 18, Jesus says, All authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow, there's so much there. This word authority means power, domain, jurisdiction, rightful power. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And God has given, them, given him this authority as the risen Savior. He has the authority here to send out his followers. They didn't just listen to anyone, but Jesus had the authority to say, Go. He has the authority over sin and death. Through his death and resurrection, he has authority. And he has authority over the church. This is going to be on the screen, but in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he was asking him this question, and he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in verse 18, Jesus tells him, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What do we see there? Jesus says, it's my church. I have the authority over the church. He tells Peter, you've made this proclamation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, Peter, that statement and your faithfulness, God is going to build his church because Jesus has authority. It is his church. Second thing we see from this passage in verse 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. And we might think, you know, geopolitical nations and lines, but the, the, the meaning here is every people group, every tongue, every language, every ethne. And Jesus sent them out, and we were sent with two specific things to focus on while making disciples. What's he say? Baptize and teach. We're going to talk about these here in a moment. But he's very specific here in telling us and them what to do. In verse 20, he gives a promise. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is good news. He is is with us to the end of the age. This is the task and the calling of the church to go and make disciples until Christ returns. This is what he has called us to do, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. So this passage, Matthew 28, really matters for the church. 
And when you look in the book of Acts, we see it played out. We see the early followers of Jesus doing what Jesus has sent them out to do here in Matthew 28. If you've got your Bible there, flip over a bit if you want to to Acts chapter 2. It'll be on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read it verses 37 and 38 and then 41 and 42. And think about here what Jesus told them to do in Matthew 28 and how they are playing this out. This, uh, let me give some context here. This is right after the Holy Spirit has come and Peter is preaching to the crowds and he's preaching the message of Jesus. And, it's, and so this is right after his sermon. And it says, Now, when they heard this, the crowd, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We might look at Acts 2 a little bit more in future weeks, but here in Acts 2, the church is doing exactly what Jesus told them to do in Matthew 28. Baptizing, teaching the commands of Jesus, celebrating the Lord's Supper. It says breaking the breaking of bread. And what we see, this is the birth of the church. These things are what made the church visible. They're doing what Jesus had called them to do. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are visible expressions of a community of people who have put their faith in Jesus. All right, tracking? Everybody awake? Good. You can nod. You can wave at me. It's good. We look at these two things. Baptism and Lord's Supper work together. They are a communal, they are communal practices. In some ways they seem individual, but they are designed to be communal. And we share in these things because of the command of Christ. They are not private, but corporate, meaning for the whole church, corporate actions of the body of Christ. One author said this, and which, I, which I really like. He said, becoming a Christian is never a private act. It's personal, yes, but never private. So important to understand what the Bible is teaching. Becoming a Christian is not a private act. It, in, it immediately involves you connected to the body of Christ. And these are really important to understanding church community. The same author also said this, baptism binds one, you or I, binds one to many, and the Lord's Supper binds many into one. It's important to view these things this way because next week as we talk about church membership and what these things, they all go together. So I want us to see this progression. This sermon's kind of part one, right? I want us to see this progression of just imagine a person coming, putting their faith in Jesus, being baptized, joining with the church in membership, partaking of the Lord's Supper, becoming a visible church on mission. This is the natural flow that we see from Scripture and these two things, baptism and Lord's Supper, work together in the body of Christ. All right, let's talk specifically about baptism. And you may say, okay, why? Why baptism? Convince me, right? I hope God's Word does that. Baptism, the first point that I want to say about baptism is this. Baptism is obedience to Christ. 
Right? We saw the command in Matthew 28, this command, this obedience. He says, this is what we are called to do, to baptize and to be baptized. Right? It's, it's inherently, he's telling them to baptize, but then there's this like continuation of like, this is the message that Jesus has called all of us to do. It is a command that we see from Christ. And baptism is first seen in the New Testament, and it's instituted by Jesus as a public profession of those who follow him. Jesus himself was baptized. He models this for us. Here's a church at Renaissance. We view baptism as meaning full immersion in water, like the literal word baptism, baptize means to dip, immerse, or sink. We think that's important. I'll get to more of that in a little bit. We think that's important because of the incredible like visual and symbolic things that that shows us. But all through the New Testament, the pattern that we see is baptism as the immediate next step after salvation. We saw it in Acts chapter 2. What do we see? They repented, and it says those who received the word were baptized. It's immediate. In Acts chapter 8, there's a story of a guy named Philip and an Ethiopian man. And the Ethiopian is, Ethiopian is reading the scriptures. And he says, I need somebody to explain this to me. And Philip goes and explains it. And he understands and he puts his faith in Jesus. And he says, hey, there's water. I should be baptized right now. It's the immediate step. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story of Peter who goes to this place. He, God says, go to the, talk to this guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius was this Roman centurion. He goes and, and this Roman centurion hears the good news of Jesus, puts his faith in Jesus, and then he says, let's get baptized. We see it, the normal pattern in Scripture is a step of obedience after salvation. Second thing I want us to see about baptism, baptism is a public profession of faith and repentance. Baptism is a public profession after someone puts their faith in Jesus for salvation, right? We saw that in Acts 2. They put their faith in Jesus. They were baptized. It was a very, think about this, you know, first century book of Acts. This was a very public thing. This was outdoors. They're baptized, and everyone around could see it. It was a very public thing. It was not, it was not some nice little church ceremony. It was meant and is meant to be a public declaration so that people could, if you were the one who was baptized, so that people could look at you and say, hey, you're one of those Jesus followers. I saw you. I saw you get baptized. I remember. Because baptism identifies you. It marks you as a follower of Jesus. It is a public declaration. How many have seen the incredible award-winning film Elf? Right? A lot of us have seen the movie Elf. If you haven't, don't watch it now, watch it in like December because it's a Christmas movie. Well, you can do what you want. Don't have to listen to me, right? But in the movie Elf, he, he falls in love with a girl and he runs in to see his dad and he says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it, right? This is a picture of baptism. Baptism is, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't care who knows it. I am publicly professing my faith in Jesus. Baptism is the way that we go public with our faith. It's how our faith in Jesus becomes visible. About 10, 10 or 12 years ago or so, I was part of a church, and uh, we worked with some missionaries who went off and, we were, and, and was able to go off into the country of Mali in West Africa. And as we went, we went to some small villages, middle of nowhere. And in these villages, we had the opportunity to begin sharing the message of Jesus and telling people, this is the good news. This is what Jesus has done. And over time, 
there were believers. There was people who said, I put my faith in Jesus. And I remember so clearly we went and there was a, uh, a man there who was going to become the pastor. I mean, there's just a handful of people. He was going to begin pastoring and leading this small church in this village in the middle of nowhere. And through the missionary, they, we, they, the missionary taught about baptism. And so they had, I think, three or four people that first time that were, said, yes, we understand what baptism is. We want to be baptized. And so they got this big piece of, like, tarp, plastic, plastic sheeting or something, and they took it out to this place where there was a well where they often would water the cattle. The cattle. And so there was this big, like, kind of basin thing, and they put the black tarp in there, and they filled it. And they went through this process, and they... They explained it, and they prayed with these men, and they were baptized. But what I remember so clearly about that is this was, like, in a village like that, everybody knows what's going on with everybody. And I love that picture of baptism. It was so public, and what it meant was, it was so meaningful, because these men who were being baptized were saying, I'm with Jesus, and everybody in my village is going to see, putting my faith in Jesus. And it helped me understand how meaningful baptism should be. It's not just a private little religious ceremony. It is for the church because as the church, when someone's baptized, we rejoice together. There's also an element, it is a clear line in the sand of saying, I'm with Jesus. I think baptism is a lot like a wedding ceremony, right? Is this wedding season? I don't know. I think I saw some people, yeah, it's kind of like wedding season. I don't know. It's a, you know, you think about a wedding. A wedding's public, right? By, by its nature, like, there's, there are witnesses there. Like, you can't really get married unless you have some form of witnesses, whether that's just a few or a few hundred, right? Think about a wedding ceremony, like it happens, it's an important thing, you can, you can go back and look at the pictures, right? So I have a photo here, just because, you know, look, you, you guys were not at my wedding, but here's Abby and I on our wedding day, like, see, it happened. Like, we were there, you know, um, I don't know, like, who fitted my suit that day, but he should be fired because I had the biggest, baggiest suit on, it was awful, right? But, but it's, it's, it's important, like, you, okay, thank you, you know, we were, that was a long time ago. Weren't we, weren't we wonderful, right? But, but like you, you get this picture of a wedding ceremony, right? You have the ceremony, you have the vows, and all of it is meaningful. But in practice, it's what? It's a line in the sand. It's yesterday I was not married, today I am married, right? And then you have a ring, and this ring is this ongoing visible reminder of that day that you got married. An ongoing visible reminder that, hey, we're together, Right? It's very, a wedding ceremony by its nature is a very public thing, and baptism is a lot like that. It matters. It matters that we, when we put our faith in Jesus, there's a public profession. And I think it matters a lot for the church. It matters a lot for the people you know, the people in your life, your friends. But it also matters for you to be able to say, I know that day. That day when I publicly professed my faith in Jesus. So baptism is a public profession of faith and repentance. The next thing about baptism is this. It's an outward symbol of an inner reality. There's some things that, that baptism symbolizes. Baptism, ba- I can't speak anymore. I've said it about 50 times this morning, right? Baptism is a sign of forgiveness and cleansing. 
In Acts 2.38, he specifically says, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. One author said, baptism itself doesn't save you by washing physical filth off of you. It represents that God has cleansed your guilty moral conscience by forgiving your sins through Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Just think about the, just the visual imagery of that. The act of being baptized, immersed in water, is a beautiful symbolic image of the cleansing and forgiveness that we receive through Jesus. That through Jesus we are washed and made new. Our sin is forgiven. And then we have this tangible act that reminds us, hey, Jesus made my heart new and clean. And baptism is a picture of cleansing Baptism is also a sign of union or being joined with Christ. It's a picture of identifying with Jesus. Saying, you know, you think about that. You stand, you go into the water, you come back up. The imagery there is that I die to my old self. I'm buried. I'm dead to my old self. And I'm raised to new life in Jesus. Again, it is this union. It is this connection with Jesus. In Matthew 28, he, Jesus said, we are called to baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, meaning that baptism identifies us as belonging to God. We are baptized into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's rich, beautiful imagery that when it, when it is echoing the reality of our hearts, it is incredibly meaningful. Finally, about baptism, and this is going to be short. Baptism is the front door of the church. Now, not physically, right? Not, not, but, but bear with me. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Well, added to what? They were added to the church. Baptism was the entry point into the church. And so we're going to see next week more on this of how baptism connects us to what the Bible under, means by belonging or membership in a church. One author said this, churches are to recognize as Christians those who have gone public with their faith. And the means that Jesus has appointed for that is baptism. Baptism is the way, it's the entry point to say, you know what, Baptism is the, 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 remind, the reminder, the symbol of, I put my faith in Jesus. My baptism is the public declaration of that, and I'm baptized into the church. My baptism is, signifies that I am part of the body of believers. So we're going to talk about that more next week, but baptism connects directly the church membership and is important. So what do we do with all of this? Here would be my encouragements. First of all, Get baptized. If you have never, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you've said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and you have lived a perfect life for me and I cannot save myself. And Jesus, you died on the cross and rose again to rescue me out of my sin. And you've put your faith in Jesus. Then my encouragement would, to you would be to take that next step and be baptized. Let us talk with you more and more one-on-one -on -one about that. It's a line in the sand. It is like that wedding ceremony. It's you being able to say, I'm with Jesus. And it is so important for you. And if you want to be baptized, I would love to talk with you. Our other pastors, one of us would love to talk with you more and more about what that looks like. But that would be my encouragement. That if it's something you have not done, take that step. And we want to walk you through that. Secondly, what do you do with this? Sometimes in applying God's word, we really just need to remember some things. We need to remember some things that we already know. 
So maybe today you need to pause and think and remember what your baptism means. To think back and remember, wow, I remember that was a line in the sand. I've been washed. I've been made new. If you've got a picture of it, go find a picture and say, yeah, I was there. Well, of course you were. I remember that day, right? Remember what your baptism means. And then finally, it's a question. Are you living out your baptism? What do I mean by that? Are you living in the reality of the fact that you have been forgiven and cleansed by the grace of God? You can get up each day and remember, maybe if you don't specifically wake up and say, okay, I'm thinking about my baptism, but we can live it out where each day we're stopping and we were remembering, I have been renewed, I've been made new by Jesus. I have been washed. I've been rescued out of my sin. And we live in the reality of the cleansing and the forgiveness that he has done. And we live in the reality of our union, our connection with Christ, that we are no longer separate from him, but we are Sons and daughters of God, heirs of God with Christ, joined with him. Are you living out your baptism? All right, Lord's Supper. We're going to see how these connect, right? Hang with me. The Lord's Supper, like baptism, is also an act of obedience, Look back at Matthew 28. This connects to what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Baptize them and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. The Lord's Supper is one of the things that Jesus explicitly told his people to do. In Luke 22, verses 14 through 20, we have the story of Jesus meeting with his disciples. This was right before his death in, in the, the, for the Jewish Passover. And they meet together. And they have the bread and they have the wine and Jesus says, hey, that bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. That wine represents my blood that will be spilled for you. And Jesus tells them, he says, do this as a continual sign of remembering the death of Jesus. So as a church, as believers, the act of taking communion together, Lord's Supper, is an act of obedience. Secondly, the Lord's Supper is a way that the church... Us, it's a way that we remember the gospel. We're forgetful people. We forget all kinds of things. And we easily forget the message of Jesus. If you know the story in the book of Exodus, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And over and over he said no. And there were these plagues that came. And then finally, the 10th plague, God told Moses, he said, hey, go tell your people, get a lamb, kill it, Take some of the blood, wipe it on the doorposts of your house, and stay in your house. And he gives them some other instructions. Because he says there's, there's going to be, many people are going to die tonight. But he said, but those who are in their house with the blood marking their door, he says, I will pass over them. So for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish, the Jewish people have celebrated Passover, remembering that God passed over them and rescued them so even Jesus, when he's with his disciples, he is celebrating Passover, remembering the salvation of God. And so Jesus then says, this is actually even more meaningful than you even knew. Because Jesus was saying, I am going to, my blood that I will spill can mark your life, your heart, so that the judgment of God passes over you and you are saved and rescued from your sin. And so the bread and the wine are symbols 
It's a symbol of the body of Christ, a symbol of the blood of Christ. And so when we take communion, we remember and remind ourselves again that Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again from the dead. And we remember again his grace and his love towards us. It is a time where as a church we can realign our hearts. Right? Remember I talked about I used to have a car that always veered to one side or the other and I always had to take it to a mechanic and get it fixed because it was always out of alignment. We need our hearts aligned. The Lord's Supper is a time of alignment, of pointing our attention back to Jesus. So the Lord's Supper is a way that we remember the gospel. Secondly, the Lord's Supper is a way that the church proclaims the gospel. The Lord's Supper is a visible picture of salvation. It's a proclamation. When we do this, it's an act that says, this is what Jesus has done. He gave his life for us. And so, within the church setting, we are proclaiming it to one another, right? It's not just about me or just about you. It's about us. We are proclaiming it to one another. And then, in the times when there are people present, And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. If we were to take communion today, which we're not doing today, we would say, we ask you just to observe. This is something that in the Bible is for Christians. And it might look a little weird. It might seem like this weird thing. But what we would want you to do is just simply observe and see what this is all about. It's about a group of people remembering we have been rescued by Jesus. It is a reenactment of the gospel. It's a reenactment of Jesus giving his life on the cross. In a very real way, the Lord's Supper preaches a sermon. It preaches and proclaims, this is who Jesus is, this is what he has done, and he has rescued us out of our sin. And then finally, and also more on this next week, so this is part one, the Lord's Supper connects to church membership. The Lord's Supper is also called communion, as we've said. It has very, within that word, it is communal. The Lord's Supper is the ongoing reminder of salvation and being part of the body. If baptism is the front door to the church, like we said, then the Lord's Supper is the family meal. It's where we come together on a regular, continual basis to remember what Jesus has done. I've already said this, but baptism binds one to many, and the Lord's Supper binds many into one. So communion is particularly meaningful to members. We'll talk on this more next week, but in short, because when we understand that belonging to a church or membership is the normal, natural result of salvation and baptism, it becomes incredibly meaningful to take communion together. Because it is a reminder, we are family, not just because we like each other. We are family in Christ. God's word says when we put our faith in Jesus, we are adopted in as sons and daughters of God, which makes you and I brothers and sisters. So in a very real way, communion is the family meal, remembering together what Jesus has done. And so again, remember, when we take communion, remember what the Lord's Supper means. It is a picture of the gospel. And then ask yourself, am I living out the truths of the Lord's Supper? Are you remembering daily, Jesus has given his life for me. I am forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Are you remembering and proclaiming him in your life? 
The Lord's Supper should be a continual reminder of that. What is it that sets you apart? What is it that sets us as a church apart? One of the things that sets us apart is the work of Jesus. For those who have put their faith in Jesus, we are called out of darkness and into light. And that matters for us as individuals, but it matters for us as a church as well. It is something that sets us apart. So we can ask ourselves, do the people around us know that we are different? Do your neighbors, your friends, do the people in this community that walk by or drive by and see our signs outside, do they know that we are different? And how could they know that? They can know it by the way that we live our lives. They can know it by how we love. They can know it by how generous we are. But I think there's also a formal structure that the people around us, the people in your life can know that you are set apart and different by things like baptism and the Lord's Supper. If you have friends and family that say, yeah, they were baptized, and maybe your friends or family are on board and they think that's awesome, or maybe they're like, I think you're crazy. Either way, it is something that sets us apart as followers of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, as I said, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian, and you're observing, and you're like, I don't even know where I stand with all this. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're like, I can't, I've got a lot of questions. Whatever it is, here's my encouragement to you this morning. When we talk about all this, it might seem a little technical. It might seem like, okay, this, you know, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about God the King of kings, the creator of all things, who invites us to know him. And he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay for our sins. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus can be forgiven and brought into relationship with God. This is good news. And the message this morning is that anybody can get in on this. None of these things are like, well, these are just religious things that we do because we're better than everybody else. No, all of this is it's only the grace of God that has rescued us and that brings us to a point where we can say, my life is not my own, I belong to Jesus. And we think back to the imagery of baptism. The gospel reminds us that we are cleansed through Jesus. The gospel reminds us that we die to ourselves and we are brought to new life through Jesus, through his body, through his blood that Jesus gave on the cross for us. And so the invitation is open to anyone to say, hey, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you can get in on this. It is good news to be rescued out of your sin, to be made new, to have life. And it doesn't happen through cleaning our lives up. It doesn't happen through being more religious. It happens as we say, okay, I can't fix myself, but Jesus has done everything that I need on the cross. So this morning, maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus. That can happen even in this moment, because it's a, it's a heart thing that says, okay, I surrender. Jesus, take my life. I put my faith in you, and I turn away from my sin. I'm not the boss anymore. Jesus, I put my faith in you. 
Maybe today you need to say, I need to be baptized. And maybe there's been various things holding you back. Maybe it's just kind of you haven't understood it clearly. Or maybe it's like, I don't want to stand up in front of people and be dipped in water. That's weird. Or maybe, you know, I don't know what it is. But I would tell you that it's important. It's important for your own heart to say, this is my line in the sand. So maybe you need to be baptized. I would love to talk with you about that. We think back to Matthew 28. We just all need to be reminded of the command that Jesus has given to us. Go and make disciples. Live out your faith wherever you are, teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Maybe today you just need to say, okay, God, here I am. We talked about this last week. We talked about sharing our faith. Maybe you need to say, okay, I will go. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are visible expressions of a community of people who've put their faith in Jesus. As we close, Annabelle and any of you guys can come on up. Again, if you have questions from the sermon today, you have questions about these things, please ask us. Uh, next, this series is going to kind of build on itself from week to week. Next week we'll talk about church membership and how these things actually connect if, you're, if God is working in your heart in this, you're like, I don't even know what's happening, but I feel this, there's something stirring in my heart. We would love to talk and pray with you. God is drawing people to himself. And maybe you're online, or maybe you're here in the room. We would love to talk with you. One final thing before we close in worship this morning, on the Connect table in the back, we have a few books, and it says the book says Church Membership. Um, if you are interested and you want to know more of what church membership is, and again, we're going to talk about it next week, take one of those. You can keep it if you'd like, if you're interested in church membership, and we would um, encourage that because it, I think that book does a good job of saying what we, we, we believe in what that book teaches and how it puts it all together. And I'd say this finally, again, we celebrate church membership, not because we've got like some membership card and we're some exclusive club, but because it signifies a group of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And actually today after church, we have a members gathering a couple blocks away in a park over that way. We're just going to hang out and spend time together. But I would tell any person, anyone in this room, if you're interested and say, yeah, I would be interested. I want to know more of what it means to be a member. Come and hang out with us. This is not some exclusive club. We're going there right, basically right after church. And let us answer questions. Let us talk more about it. Because we want to be a church that understands what it is that makes us a church and makes us visible to the world around us.